With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you haven't heard already, you need to check out adfreeshows.com. We've started making announcements for a brand new schedule starting in November, including a ton of new content. First of all, all of our podcasts are going to have video and we're going to splice in some fun stuff. And I'm sure the shows will get better as they go. But a lot of times we have a, well, fairly heated or hilarious interaction. And you guys have said you wanted to see my co-host facials and how they uh, get tickled or fired up, whatever the case may be. It's coming to adfreeshows.com, but a ton of new content too. For instance, one of the things we just announced this past weekend I'm so excited about is our championship belt series. We're going to go talk to the folks who made these belts, who actually originally designed the art, handcrafted them. They're going to explain exactly what that process was like. We'll discuss briefly who ordered it, what we thought it cost to order, how long it would have taken, et cetera, et cetera, the whole manufacturing process. But then you get some beautiful 4K shots of the actual ring used belts after the fact. Of course, in between, we're going to show you all the great memories and moments that happened. You'll see lots of press clippings and magazine covers and promo shots. And just the story of those iconic championships. It's all coming to adfreeshows.com. I've also started a show part of my collection, including old boots and robes and things like that. And something we're calling the collection. Some fun comedy stuff. That I think you're going to dig, including mansplaining great friend of the show and independent wrestling superstar Mance Warner is going to try to explain illogical wrestling to our wives. That's right. Many of us have a wife in our life who is, uh, well, a non fan and we're going to have <laughs> Mance Warner try to make sense out of things like Katie Vick or the chamber of horrors or the kennel in a cell. It's going to be stupid and fun, and it's all happening at adfreeshows.com. Lots of new storytellers coming along the way as well. We're doing a Monday mailbag feature with veterans of the game, like Jerry Briscoe or Mike Hill. They were there for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the World Wrestling Federation. And, of course, Jerry was a wrestler himself and had ownership in Florida and Georgia. And now you get to pick their brain every single week at adfreeshows.com. One of my favorite shows I'm looking forward to, well, it's Dr. Tom's X-Ray. Maybe you have a favorite match, but why was it your favorite match? We're going to watch those old matches with him, and he's going to break it down, almost like John Gruden did his quarterback camp on ESPN for so many years. Well, this is the wrestling equivalent of that. We've even got a happy hour happening every Sunday night. You either get to chat with Medusa or Rebel live on Zoom, pick their brain, talk about wrestling, talk about life, have a little fun. Of course, we've got comedians along the way to make sure that we're entertaining you. There's so much great stuff coming your way, including brand new opportunities on how you can win lots of prizes. We're doing fun games like mystery opponent or caption it or name that theme parts unknown, the time limit draw in this quarter, create a gimmick. We're going to be giving away cool prizes every single day over at adfreeshows.com, including once in a lifetime experiences. We're going to line it up where you get a chance. That's right. You get a chance to go to breakfast with Tony and JR and then attend an AEW event in person. It's going to be a once in a lifetime experience. You want to talk about experiences. We've got a Saturday morning cartoon thing coming your way. That's going to knock your socks off. 
We've also got wrestling comedy theater with friend of the show, Cassio kid. Did I mention we're getting a hotline? Yeah. There's going to be a hotline coming soon. So new columns will be there too. We've even got a cooking show that we're excited to tell you about called the getting heat cooking show. Of course you get all of the great ask series. I think I just finished ask Conrad volume 16. You get to pick our brain about literally whatever you want, but the big announcement that's coming soon. It's our conversation series. I don't want to give you a spoiler just yet, but this is what you've been waiting for. It's going to be so much fun. We haven't even announced it all yet. There is so much great stuff happening over at adfreeshows.com. If you haven't already, check it out and be sure to tune in this Friday. We're doing an exclusive Zoom. It's Hallow's Eve Havoc. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Myself, Tony Schiavone, of course, Eric Bischoff, and more all there chatting with you live and in costume. Yes, we're really doing it. It's Hallow's Eve Havoc, and it's happening at adfreeshows.com. I hope you'll check it out. You get all of our shows and our archives early and ad-free, but there's so much new exclusive content, it's worth another look. Go check out our reviews right now at isadfreeforme.com. We've even been told this is the best value in wrestling. Find out what everybody's talking about, and come join in on the fun today. Join us for Hallow's Eve Havoc at adfreeshows.com. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round, brilliant cut diamond is only 3198. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive plus free shipping and 12 months interest free financing. Steven showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to Arn. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer, the founder of the four horsemen, double a, the enforcer, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Doing great. Just want to encourage everybody. If you haven't gotten your questions through yet, there's a ton of them to sort through. We're going to try our very best to get to everybody. So hang in there. Don't give up. That's exactly right. Listen, we're doing these every other week. We want this to be your show. Last week was, uh, bragging rights, 2010 coming up next week. We've got hell in the cell 2015. Can't believe November is almost here, but let's finish this month strong with another hashtag. Ask Arn anything. Keep sending us your question. Uh, be sure to find us on Twitter. It's at the Arn show. And of course you can use the hashtag ask Arn anything. we got so many, we're going to do our very best to get to all we can. 
Let's get to a good one right off the start though. Brett writes, it's been said that wrestling is 50% hard work, 50% being in the right place at the right time. Was there someone who you feel could have been huge, but was just never in the right place? Mm, Timing is everything. And it's understanding that the time is right right now and possibly something that you didn't particularly think would work for you or particularly like. Uh, I've seen guys that didn't accept the inevitable because the office or, or a friend or a coworker had an idea for you and you, you really were fighting it and didn't go with it and uh, you have a missed opportunity. A lot of it, you know, there's a lot of opportunities in this industry if you just keep your eyes and ears open and your mouth shut. And when someone has the presence of mind to come up and suggest something to you, listen to it. Um, Santino Morella was a Russian prior to being Santino Morella. And... uh, had a pretty fair amateur background as far as, and I don't remember exactly what it was, whether it was judo or wrestling, or maybe it was some of all of it, but we didn't know he was pretty bad apple, but he was destined to go nowhere until he came up with this character. And the first time I saw it, I almost hit the ring and beat him up myself because I hated it so bad. But I stepped back. I talked to a couple of guys that night that I that I trusted their opinion. They said, give this thing a chance. This guy's really got a grip on this character. And after about the second night of watching this, I was absolutely rolling because you had to just accept the fact that this guy has found his niche and it's 360 degrees from where it was, you know, prior to this. And he just was so entertaining and was so much fun. I mean, that's another guy that I think they might have missed the boat on. He should have got a little bit bigger push, but it was just hilarious. Um, and it was just accepting something that uh, that I wouldn't have came up with. I couldn't have pictured that that guy in a thousand years, but he did and he made it work and he was very successful with it. Hey, real quick. I just want to run a timeout and remind everybody the clock is ticking. The election is right around the corner. No, I'm not talking politics here on the show, but I am telling you that there is going to be some uncertainty on the other side of this election. People are going to wonder what's going to happen with our economy. Are there going to be major changes or are there not? I'm concerned that all of a sudden interest rates could go wacky with lots of folks saying that they're going to vote by mail and we can't trust the system. And people are saying, Oh, it may go to the Supreme court. I don't know that any of that's going to happen. Here's what I do know. I have the best interest rate I've ever had to offer in 19 years in this industry. Started doing mortgages, August 27th, 2001, all this time later, up until this month, I've never been able to offer rates that I can offer right now. I don't know how long they'll last. I don't know once this election happens, is there a bunch of overreaction? Is there stress? Does stuff really start to change with our economy in a major way that could impact interest rates? Now, why does that matter to you? If you're already in your house and you think, Hey, I'm not having trouble making my payment. You can be overpaying, not just a little, a lot. 
We're routinely helping our listeners save 50, 60, 70, 80, even $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest. Great friend of the show, Ian from Ring of Honor, recently reached out and said, Hey, you know what? You told me I needed to do this back in March. I didn't listen. You reached out in April. I didn't have time. I got time right now. Can we run the numbers? You're darn right we can. He cut years off of his loan. You hear me? Years. I don't know that that's possible in a couple weeks. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying historically, when there is a change in leadership, the markets respond. What is it going to be? Especially if it's held up or somebody's going to contest it. 2020 has been crazy enough. Let's take advantage of maybe the one of the few good things that's happened in 2020, the lowest interest rates ever, but seriously do it right now before it's too late. We don't know how long this is going to last and it could change like that. And when it's gone, it's gone forever. I've never seen it this slow. It costs absolutely nothing to let us run the numbers. It's totally free. There's no credit report check fee. There's no application fee. None of that junk. You don't pay anything out of pocket. If I can't save you money, I won't waste your time. But if you can hear my voice and you're in a 30 year loan, you will be overpaying your single biggest debt. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of by how much let us run the numbers right now. We're licensed in more than 40 States. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but you need to act fast at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. That's savewithconrad.com. Shane Hill wants to know any thoughts or stories about the career or real person, Shane Douglas. Uh, Shane had a good career. Um, you know, he's still around. He does some things. Thank God he had an education and a teaching degree to fall back on. You know, like I said, many times, none of us know what tomorrow is. And, you know, there was a long drought to where there weren't any jobs in this industry. Uh, it's since opened back up and, you know, we're all praying that once we're able to go to live events, it'll open up even more. But, you know, Shane was, was a good performer. You know, he looked good. Uh, you know, his thought process, he was always, you know, pretty clear-headed every time I had a conversation with him. And he knew where he wanted to go in the business, but he had a lot of success with uh, ECW. And uh, I've always found, you know, Shane to be a, a pretty intelligent guy. And uh, I've always gotten along with him and respect what he's done in the business. Yeah, well-spoken, articulate. uh I find him to be introspective and, and entertaining as well. Uh, Brett wants to know if you could ask any other wrestling legend, anything, who would it be? And what would you ask? That's kind of fun. I'm sure he's thinking about maybe someone you didn't meet, but maybe it is someone you met that you always wanted to ask one thing and never could for whatever reason. Uh, Wow. A deep cut right there, isn't it? That's pretty stout, you know. I have I haven't ever even uh thought in those terms. Maybe I would ask Buddy Rogers if if he would ever have dreamed, besides the incredible career and influence that he's had on the industry, did he ever in his wildest dreams realize the impact that Ric Flair would have on the industry, being the fact that he idolized buddy and pretty much stole buddy's gimmick 
And did he have any idea that it would last the test of time that it has? Let's, uh, let's talk about Patrick Williamson. He wants to know who inspired you growing up. I don't think he meant as a wrestler, uh, but he also asked if you had a mentor, but was there someone on TV or print or pop culture or sports? Do you have a favorite athlete as a kid? Did you have an inspiration as a kid? And, and did you have a mentor? Yeah, my grandfather, um, being a kid growing up virtually without a mother or father, uh, thank God I had grandparents that raised me, took me in. Um, and my grandfather was a barber and I mean, an old school barber that always had sitting in his barbershop firemen, policemen, construction workers, men that just wanted to get a normal haircut. Flat top was the big deal of the day. If I remember when I was a kid, remember those Conrad? Yep. Um, but he always had a, a bunch of real men, men's men sitting in there to get a haircut. And, uh, he had a used truck, like a, I want to say it was a 1953 Chevrolet with his dog box in the back that he put his uh, two bird dogs in. And he would cut hair from about 6 in the morning to about 6 in the evening, Monday through Saturday. And he took Sunday off. And uh, he would take a half a day off on Wednesday Sometimes that he would take my grandmother to the grocery store and they would buy the week's uh, groceries and then he would go hunting or he would go fishing and he had his fishing poles and he had his shotguns and we had a very small house that we grew up in, um, wood floors, uh, floor furnace, no air conditioning. Grew up with no air conditioning, and uh, he had a garden in the backyard, the edge of the woods. And uh, besides working 12 hours a day, there wasn't a day during season that I can remember that he didn't come in, change his clothes, have a bite of dinner, and then he would go out and work his garden. And he would come back in just about dark with a bag full of tomatoes or green beans or whatever it may be. And, and I just remember him sitting me down and saying, son, you know, I know we don't have, you know, much of a house here. Cause I would ask, you know, you know, grandpa, how come we, we don't have air conditioning? You know, some of my friends that live up on the hill have air conditioning. Well, son, that's expensive. And we have other priorities. And I remember, Go on my grandmother to the grocery store and, you know, getting a pack of little Debbies or something and putting in the shopping cart and her saying, not this week, son, you have to put it back. And she didn't explain to me that we were on a budget and couldn't afford it. She just would say, not this week. And I remember him saying to me, son, I know our house is not as cool as people up the hill and you know it's it's not as comfortable inside he said but 
we own this home, and when something, when I'm no longer here, your grandmother and yourself, no one will ever be able to come in and take this away from you. This is ours. And that truck out there, I know it's it's old, but it's paid for, and it's mine. And he would have been middle 60s about this time, and he said that garden out there gives us a lot of nice food that we might not have without it. And he just taught me that uh, take care of your family first. Don't worry about the things you don't have and appreciate the things that you do. And I always admired and respected him and the fact that he wasn't even my father. Um, and he was raising me and, you know, the things that I needed, a ride home from a from a baseball game. I would I would ride my bicycle over to the to the baseball field for a little league and pony league and after he would get off work, obviously, he would come and try to catch the last couple of innings of the game and would throw my bike in the back of his truck because it was way dark by then, and he would drive me back home. And no matter what time we got in, 10, 11 o'clock at night, he was still up at 4.30, taking a, taking a shower, getting ready to go to work at 6. And he just pretty much taught me what being a man was all about and work ethic and working hard and taking care of your family and appreciating all the things that God had provided for you. And uh, I don't think there would have been anybody on television that in my eyes could have been more man than my grandfather. Let's, um, man, I don't know what to say. I really appreciate you sharing all that. Like, I don't know how we go back to just talking about wrestling. I just appreciate your candor here on the show. Well, that's what's carried me through the business all these years and kept me getting up and going out that door and flying five hours to drive three hours to do a show to drive another five hours. It was that thought process that had him at the first and foremost, first and foremost in my mind him just saying, take care of your family, son. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. They can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop. By that time it's too late. And the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The trains can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't, uh, Perry McDaniel write something I've never heard before. Uh, maybe you've got more info on. I've heard a lot of horrible stories about Bob Sweetan. Am I saying that right? And how he was Probably. Just, just a despicable human being. What do you say, Arn? Do you have anything to say about Bob Sweetan? Sweetan? Was he a good worker? No. Did y'all party together? Did you ever take his finisher, the pile driver? Never met him. Never met him. Um, uh, 
rumors um, I heard I won't repeat because they're just that, rumors. And, you know, I don't stick a tag on somebody unless I have pretty good working knowledge about that person. Uh, Don't know him, never met him. He was actually uh, before my time. He was like a few years before me. Lots and lots and lots of uh, bad stuff out there on a quick Google search. So I understand where you want to take a pass. Uh, no context flair wants to know how much did you enjoy the clash two out of three falls match with the blondes? It was a personal favorite and seldom did we see a hotter crowd during that era, perhaps with the possible exception of Starcade 93, which of course was in Charlotte and flares in the main event, but clash two out of three falls with the blondes. What do you remember? Loved it. Loved it. And those guys worked their ass off and they were such a good team and, you know, from the imaginary movie camera that they were rolling your face after they flattened you, you know, those guys, they got it. They figured it out and they loved being partners as much as Rick and I enjoyed being partners. It was one of those scenarios. that just comes along occasionally, both teams on the same page and we're both had the same mindset, you know, we were going to get them over. They were going to get us over. And ultimately the audience was going to have something they could sink their teeth into and enjoy. And we had enough time to get it done. It was really one of my favorite tag matches uh, of my career. Let's, um, let's also recommend the two out of three falls you did with the rockers and the WWF. You thought that was one of your favorites as well. What was it about two out of three falls that, really work for you well because you could have the drama of either team was put behind the eight ball after they lost that first fall if you lost the second one this thing was going to be over and getting beat two straight in a two out of three falls was a pretty dominant scenario but then if it went to one one you had to have that tiebreaker. The drama went up to a different level. And, uh, you know, the Rockers was a totally different match because they had a different skill set, you know, than the Blondes. Uh, totally different. And the match was totally different. And, you know, um, I just enjoyed the fact that in those days, the the audience understood, okay, First fall goes to Team X. All right. That other team was immediately in a pressure position to have to catch that second fall. So the built-in drama was just there, and everyone understood it. And then you would have that next fall, and if it went one-to-one, you could feel it go up to a different level in the arena And because everybody understood what was at stake. It was just a, just a cool setting. Talk to me a little bit about, um, baby faces and Jim Crockett. Greg says, Arn, can you pick one baby face from Jim Crockett who you would have liked to have had as a tag team partner? I assume that means you're going to convince a good guy to come over to the dark side. Cause everybody knows you don't wear white hats. Chat me up though. Is there one baby face that you think could have made a hell of a partner for you? I bet you Ronnie Garvin could have been a, a pretty vicious heel, don't you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
because he was a vicious baby face. I mean, he pretty much beat the piss out of all of all the heels and stretched us. And uh, he just had that that nasty. I mean, you could feel like you had him completely under your control, and he would just jump up and do a jumping headbutt out of nowhere, cross your eyes, and he's right back in the fight. Uh, he just had that style that would have lended itself to being a, a really nasty heel. And, and I would love to have learned from him, you know, in some, some long tag matches and watched him, you know, in his mind go out and, and, and work as a heel. I think he would have been a great partner. Let's, uh, let's do, and this is something that we haven't really addressed before, but I don't know that me and you've ever talked about it even all fair. David Williams brings a great point that I do need to bring up to you. He says, sir, I never saw much of your work as the NWA was hard to find in the UK. Can you suggest three of your three personal favorite matches that I should hunt down on the WWE network? We get that a lot that, and I get this question a lot too. Why do you guys cover so much modern WWE? Well, we're in the business of downloads and whenever we do an old Jim Crockett topic, while me and you and Arn love it, uh, it doesn't get near the downloads is when we talk about modern WWE. So we're here to sell ads and we're here to, you know, create content for as many people as possible. And that means we're going to go where the hits are. And right now the hits are more modern WWE. So we do get some of this Jim Crockett stuff through this every other week, hashtag ask aren't anything. And of course we watch a lot of the old WCW and Crockett stuff on adfreeshows.com. But one of the other reasons is whenever I would go over to the UK with Bruce or, or JR or whoever, uh, inevitably people would say, well, I didn't get to watch much WCW or I never saw much NWA because it just wasn't as readily available there as it was here on the superstation. So if you had to recommend three Arn Anderson matches to David Williams, what would you recommend he check out? Okay. How about Larry Zabisco and myself, uh, wrestling Dustin Rhodes and his mystery partner with the dragon head, which would be Ricky steamboat as it was revealed. I think Larry was at his very best. And I think that crowd in Savannah was really shocked and entertained by the fact that steamboat was underneath there, which no one in the building knew about. Um, I enjoyed probably wrestling when I first came back from the WWF to WCW. I enjoyed wrestling Muda for the television title, even though I was miscast as the baby face. Um, it was just, he was hot at the time and he had Buzz Sawyer and the dragon master with him ringside, a lot of drama, a lot of odds to overcome. And, uh, maybe Tully and I against the rockers, the most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available 
She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round brilliant cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista ready for love engagement ring. Steven Singer Jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. That's a, that's a hard list to beat right there. Uh, let's do another one here. Uh, lots of folks came around to the same question I had about the whole being cheeseburger, but I guess they haven't heard that episode yet. Um, here's a fun one. Primetime wants to know who are the people putting together matches at AEW? Uh, have you ever helped as one of the quote unquote coaches or agents? I, I don't, I think there is a misconception out there about that. And I want you to sort of clear that up. No, sir. I have not. It's Billy Gunn. It's, uh, all I know him of is, is DJ. Um, Dustin Rhodes is, uh, heavily involved in the structuring of, of matches and the booking of matches. Uh, Jerry Lynn is a, uh, another one of the coaches. I think probably Chris Daniels does a lot of that because he, he's such a veteran. He's been around a, a long, long time. Um, those are the guys and I hope I'm not leaving anybody out, but I think besides else, Oh my God, Billy Gunn. Of course, Billy Gunn, right at the top of the list. Uh, those are the guys that do a lot of the uh, hands-on nuts and bolts organization and coaching guys up. And, and I know Dustin's a, is a big uh, proponent of, of the women's division, and he really helps out quite a bit. And Billy Gunn, of course, you know a lot of guys are going to come ask him his opinion because he's been there, done that been a huge part of the business and uh, Jerry Lynn is just a very knowledgeable guy. That's just a quality human being. I mean, he really is uh, QT Marshall has a lot to do with like the office organizational stuff. And then I think it all plays into being guys with experience and they're helping the AEW machine go down and, uh, uh, function, uh, on a, you know, just, a an even kilter. All I am make no mistake folks is Cody Rhodes coach. I have nothing to do with anything else. And that's the way I want it. And that's the way he wants it. And I, I think that's the way Tony Khan wants it right now. I mean, I've done there, you know, done that, been there for a long, long time. And, uh, I just want to rely on my ability to add what I add to the show and let that be the extent of my responsibilities. And that's what, you know, being talent would have been my first choice to, for my entire career. Uh, you know, it just so happened that I was lucky enough to have, uh, some ability as far as coaching and helping guys and, and organizational skills and, you know, the nuts and bolts of the business, I have a pretty good grasp on. But if it would have been up to me, I would have wrestled my whole career and then I would have retired and 
And that would be all we talked about on this podcast. But uh, right now I've enjoyed just going back and just being talent. And that's it. Jim Crockett promotions had scaffold matches on their shows. And I'm curious, would you have participated in one of those matches? And what did you think of the stipulation that comes to us from Ben on Twitter? No aptitude, no desire, no way, no how hate heights. I am not cut out for scaffold matches and I would have been no benefit. It would hard to be the enforcer laying on my belly, hugging that scaffold and trembling in fear. Cause that's where I would have been. I hate heights. Let's, uh, let's agree on that one. I can't imagine a scaffold match. It feels like the most dangerous, nonsensical stipulation ever. I mean, one bad move and that's a wrap, right? Well, you, there's one way down. Right. Once you're up there, you drop. Now you're going to blow out something, your low back, your ankle, your knee, the, the margin for error is non-existent. Once you crawl up that thing, you're going to have to drop. And those things were high, brother. Measure them. I don't know how high, but high enough that big Bubba Rogers let Jim Cornette drop and land on his ass when he was clearly supposed to catch him. Uh, that was kind of career suicide at that time. It could have been, uh, but I saw what happened to Jimmy and, uh, that was all I needed to see. Here's one about, uh, Rick flair. Andy wants to know when Rick came back to WCW in 93, could a program with Aaron as world champ and Rick demanding the title have worked, who would have been the face and who would have been the heel. I think Arden deserved to be a champ, even for a short term feud fending off Rick. That's kind of fun. We know that it would happen in 95, but if we're armchair quarterbacking, I could see that, that Rick wants to come back and be with his old pal, but he's used to being the world champ and it could be kind of fun. If there was a new sheriff in town named Arn Anderson, never thought about it till just now, but I, I tell you, I could have made that work. The promos I know I could have done for sure. Uh, you know, that, that would have been a, please give me a mic and give me, give me four minutes. I'll make that work. Don't know if the, uh, company, you know, uh, could have ever structured anything like that, but it's on a wish list. I mean, yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been great. Great idea. Andy Steven wants to know two questions. First, when you were working, what was your workout routine? And secondly, what made you and your son choose the wrestling school for him that you did? And of course, I think we've peeled the curtain back a little bit to say that he's working with George South. Why was George South the right guy for Brock? And then tell us what your workout routine was back in the day. Well, we haven't, he has not worked with George. Oh, my apologies. He's just using the same building or facility. Not even. Oh, okay. You you really shit the bed on this whole thing. Yes, I did. Either that, or I've really kayfabed it effectively. Good job. Yeah. At this particular time, we're not going to talk about the wins and the wares of where it's going on, but I do have access to a ring and, and an excellent trainer, uh, who is, uh, very good with him has been very patient because 
like a lot of us, Brock walked in the door and he was in kill mode. He didn't understand. And, uh, I've seen the look on, on the trainer and a couple of his students that he's been able to work out with. And, um, the look on their face was, Oh God, we got another cement mixer in here. Um, so they've been very patient. And at this time, not really ready to divulge it as he gets a little closer and I see that's going to work out for him and he's still gun ho about it. We'll talk more about it, but, uh, George, even though I think would be an excellent trainer has not been involved so far. Well, look at me. Uh, tell me about your uh, workout routine back in the day when you were, uh, in the ring, I'm sure you had a, a regimen that you stuck to. Yeah, I mean, the key has always been, I've always been a proponent, you know, I don't have the genetics or the, um, will or the, uh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the dedication to being a body guy. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the genetics to be a body guy, but you know, I still wanted to lift weights and, and be strong enough to, to handle the guys and pick up the guys and you know, powerful enough that I could, you know, hit and execute moves on the guys and stuff. And I just, you know, you go to the gym every day and, uh, I train, uh, you know, as a power lifter, but right before I got in the business and developed some strength, uh, certainly that was going to go nowhere as, as far as being competitive in a competition, um, uh, level type power lifter, but you know, I got strong enough and, and, uh, that I could actually pick the guys up and, and be safe with them and do all the things I need to do as a wrestler. The key is get a routine that works for you. And I found that, uh, you know, you take a day or two off, but you get five days in the key is sweating every day. And the days that I wouldn't go to the gym and I would wrestle at night, I would feel it. It was just one of those things that I didn't feel like I warmed up properly. That workout during the day was to get that sweat and then to get that sweat at night and that deep sweat from wrestling, man, you really felt good. And uh, boy, the cold beers tasted good afterwards. This episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed you've been looking for. Listen up. It's bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. As you know by now, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. Now, what's great about Blue Chew is you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it really counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. And of course, it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Maybe best of all, no more awkwardness, and you don't even have to leave the house. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our promo code ARN. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. And the promo code is ARN to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. 
And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help make this podcast possible. So please be sure to use ARN at BlueChew.com. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, Joshua says, I'm a fan that hasn't watched a lot of old school stuff and don't really know where to start. What's the best match you would recommend for the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, or the Freebirds? That's a fun one. You know, we've often talked about your stuff, but do you have a favorite rock and roll match or a favorite midnight match? Well, those guys against each other were, yeah. were incredible. I mean, nothing's going to top that. I think the Freebirds and the Von Eriks is epic if you were from that area. Um, any match at the Rock and Roll Express or in, they're going to make it exciting. Um, I would suggest when they beat the Russians for the, for the tag, tag titles. Yes. My God, can you imagine being in that arena, not knowing who Ricky and Robert were? Just who are these guys? They're too small. Look at those animals. Ivan, Nikita, Crusher Khrushchev. What a mismatch. There's beating the odds, but that's ridiculous. And they did. And everybody bought it and everybody believed in it. Um, I would imagine the Freebirds, when they shot that angle with Ted DiBiase in Georgia, was one of the more credible, believable angles for its time. And I know that there were people, you know, blowing up the switchboard to see how bad Ted DiBiase was hurt. If you go back and check that angle out, that was Georgia Championship Wrestling. Not sure of the year, but it was a major angle, and those guys got a ton of heat off of it. The uh, My favorite midnight match, not that anybody asked me, but I think it's underrated, and I'm going to beat the drum forever. It's Great American Bash 1990 against the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. My goodness, what a match. Well, yeah, those guys were quality workers. You know, all the Armstrongs were good workers. Tracy Smothers had a lot of fire, very talented. And uh, being in the South, it just worked. We have a lot of uh, Mount Rushmore-type conversations on these podcasts. Here's a different take on one from Bob Alvis. He writes, if you had to develop a Mount Rushmore of small towns for spot shows that you wrestled in, what four towns would make the cut? Do you have four favorite small towns? Probably, um, heading the list, Charleston, West Virginia. Okay. Credible, always supportive, always full, uh, whatever that civic center would hold, uh, was excellent. Um, let's see here, Florence, South Carolina outdoors. At the old stadium, great atmosphere, fantastic atmosphere. Um, let's see. Um, help me out here, Conrad. What what towns have you heard of in the past that that weren't so big that always did? Really good. Okay. Greenville, South Carolina is not a huge place. There's two, you know, uh, Bischoff always put over, and you might disagree. He always put over Cedar Rapids. Um, is that where we had the no way out or whatever it was? The, 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 the uncensored, 
Yeah, that was a sold out there, I think, too. Sold out. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of those one of those towns that you know, there wasn't a lot of entertainment, I think, meat packing and things of that nature. A lot of beef stuff, uh, I wanna say, was from that area. Uh a lot of blue collar folks really work hard for a living and love their wrestling. That that was a good town. Uh, I, I randomly, I know this is another Carolina one, but I've heard a lot of guys compliment, believe it or not. Cause there ain't nothing there to do. And maybe that's why it was fun. Shelby, North Carolina. Yeah. Cause it was a TV town. Right. And they were conditioned that that was a big deal when the Crockett truck pulled in. Uh, and to this day, if you, it hasn't changed much. You've been there, you know, David lives there, right? Yeah. There ain't David nothing Flair. going on in Shelby. <laughs> Well, there's one, one road in yeah. where all the, where all the industry is and all the commerce and one road back out and it's the same road. It is a nice shortcut to cut across to Asheville, go that way down 74 and go through Shelby. Uh, that's the way you go to Asheville. And speaking of Asheville, uh, that was one of those little towns that didn't back in those days, didn't have a lot going on. But uh, they liked their wrestling on Sunday afternoon. That was another another nice town. Um, what about Florida, though? Like Pensacola, Daytona Beach. Neither one of those are necessarily huge towns, but it seems like they had their fair share of rat- wrestling. Dothan, Alabama. Mm, yeah, there's a good one. We we found out that they had, uh, that uh, it was a great, I knew it was a great place. I had just left there, you know, uh, for Continental and Southeastern championship wrestling. I believe it was called at the time. I knew Dothan was a great town. We went there every single Saturday for television in the, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we would do a house show that night and it drew pretty damn consistently. Think about that every single Saturday, 52 weeks a year. And I was there 14 months. Dothan. Great. Birmingham. Great wrestling town. Uh, Back in the day, even though it, it's not a small, small town, but Jacksonville, Florida was one of those sleepers. You yep. should slip, slip up and have a really good house, you know, and a uh, lot of uh, interest in wrestling back then. Here's a fun one about traveling. Pig Daddy Cool wants to know who were slash are some of Arn's favorite co-pilots when it comes to stopping for a meal on the road. Manning went on road with this person. He knew they'd be on the exact same page on where to eat. Anybody that didn't eat on a road trip. Cause after you went to the gym, you get a little light lunch and that, and I mean light, you definitely didn't want to get on the road on a full belly driving. Cause that made you what? Sleepy slash sleepy. Yeah. What followed after the driver went to sleep? Well, let me back that up. The guy in the uh, the uh, seat beside the passenger, the co-pilot. Yeah. One rule in the business, barring none about travel. Don't fall co-pilot asleep. Co-pilot does not go to sleep. Yeah. Because if he does, the next step is who else goes to sleep? The driver and off the road we go. And we're all dead. Yeah. So you didn't need a big meal between your workout during the day and your trip. Now, if you didn't have a trip, you could eat a big meal and take a nap. 
you know, if you were already where you were going. But if you had a drive or a drive that night, that's why I couldn't figure out. And some of these young guys would do that. Maybe it's just youth, different thought process. But after the show, they would go somewhere in the town they were in. They just wrestled and eat a big meal before they had a 300-mile drive. Could not figure that out. Really couldn't. I don't know how they did it. I guess it's just being young. But uh, you would never eat after a show if you had a long drive. Well, I would be the worst uh, one of the boys ever because the only way they could make me go to sleep as a kid was to ride me around. Like if me and dad are going to a ball game together in Tuscaloosa, it's a two hour drive the way we drive from here. <laughs> and, uh, man, before we're on the interstate, good. I'm out, son. Yeah. And I sleep good on airplanes too. As long as I'm not in charge of the navigating or driving, I can sleep anywhere. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, big Jake black wants to know Stevie Ray Vaughn or Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. Amen. Turn the page should be mandatory listening and be in, in possession of every wrestler alive. Cause it's our theme song. Totally agree. Um, Chuck wants to know, was there ever a point where your kids had issues at school or with neighborhood kids because of something you had done when you were working as a heel on TV? Oh, I'm sure. And I've asked them a couple times, you know, and kept it general. Um, do you guys ever get a lot of shit for being my kid? And they would both look at me at the same time. Now they're 11 years apart and they would look at me and go all the time. Yeah. But they would never bring it home with them. And if they did, they only told their mother and their mother kept it from me. Cause I'm very, very defensive Papa bear. Yeah. There would have been some real DDTs and spine busters up and down middle schools, huh? I'd have been, a, I had no issue about going down the school and getting to the bottom of some shit. I just can't imagine being the bully who messed with your kid. And then you come in there with, with those glasses on, and just look over your eye at them, tilt your head down. I just got to assume that kid would never fuck with your boy ever again. Well, I'd have went right to the dad. <laughs> and if you can put the fear of God in the dad, it's going to trickle down to the son. And you never have to say a word to the kid itself. You just go through the proper channels. Because, you know, who, who doesn't hate bullies? Right. Of course. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure as children, every single one of us have had an episode of being bullied and being the bully. And when you are the bully, you don't even realize you're just, you know, I'm sure in my mind, if I was bullying somebody at any point, I just thought I was just goofing on them, that they really weren't suffering trauma from it. But bullying leaves a lot of people scarred and it leaves a lot of trauma on folks that I don't think any of us really understand. Thank God it's been brought to light and like a lot of issues these days we figured out it's not the thing to do and i think that's a good thing but hey i was such an asshole on television every week who wouldn't want to pop my kid in the mouth well i know you want to pop some folks in the mouth jamie waldrop wants to know how hard is it these days to be in the ring with punky and hoot and not get to deliver a spine buster uh it's pretty easy 
since they would need a giant dustpan to come down and sweep us both up if I did. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. They're still out here shitting and getting to, by the way. Oh, it's more than remarkable. We did that promo here a few weeks back in the AEW ring with those guys. Do you realize they've been partners for 35 years? Yeah. Nonstop. They're still out there getting it every weekend that before the, you know, before the pandemic, the pan yeah. pandemic. Yeah. I mean, every weekend they were somewhere still wrestling as partners that floors me. Well, this is a fun sort of what if for Mr. Furley, he says, if Arn was still active and he had to pick a match to participate in, which of these three would he choose money in the bank, hell in a cell or elimination chamber? Elimination chamber. And I would make sure I was the first one eliminated. See, I thought you would have went hell in a cell because that's essentially a war games. You could just say, uh, I ain't getting on top. No, because I would really make it a hell in a cell match and I'd be bleeding to death and I'd be fired as soon as I came back through the curtain. Oh, well, yeah, there's that, I guess. I can't just half-ass it, Conrad. Let's talk about that. ACW pick fed says I've been watching a lot of cage matches from the Crockett era lately. What's the, what's Arn's favorite cage match from that era? Mine is Magnum and Tully. And can you also give your thoughts on cage match psychology? That sort of dovetails nicely with what you're saying. Tell us what you think a cage match should be. Payday for the bad guy. Weeks, if not months of having his way, terrorizing the baby faces utilizing his partners, his manager to always have the upper hand, getting away with murder week after week after week until finally the powers that be say, you know what? You guys have doubled up, tripled up, quadrupled up on the one or two guys. Use those numbers to just terrorize the company. You know what we're going to do? We're going to lock you guys in a cage and we're going to make sure that it's you against you or you two against you two or you four against you four or you five against you five. But that's it. Nobody else is getting in and nobody's getting out until it's decided, which was the old premise of a cage match. Payday for the good guys. Hell for the bad guys. And that's exactly what you get. What you anticipated buying a ticket to see, that's what you see. Sunshine Shirley wants to know, did you ever feel like a typecast performer being mostly booked in factions like the Horseman, Dangerous Alliance, and Stud Stable? Yeah, I was honored to be a part of it because it was an all-star team of who was available. Right. And uh, when you look at the names and who they were and who they are in the business and what they'll be recognized in the next 20 years. It was, it was a certain huge badge of courage and honor on my part to be part of those groups. John writes, I'd love to get Arn's thoughts on Fandango. When he first debuted on NXT as Johnny Curtis, he looked like a legit star, but on his first night on the main roster, they literally made him pour milk on him. It smells like someone didn't want him to get over. 
What does Arn think of Fandango? Well, imagine that. They didn't want him to get over, but they put him on their TV. Uh, I, I, to this day, he's a good friend of mine. He really is. He's a good guy. He's a great performer, you know, good physique. When that guy's in shape, he looks incredible and a good performer and a good person. And, you know, I remember the, the dance partner with Fandango that, just like it was yesterday. And it was, he even, you know, he's not a dancer. He had to learn on top of everything else he brought to the table. He had to learn how to dance enough to at least make it entertaining, which he did, which means he put the extra effort in. He had a dance partner, uh, the first young lady that they arrived on, not the first one to try out. We had a bunch of tryouts every week at TV for local dancers to come in. And they finally found one that really jailed and, and it was excellent. But her boyfriend got a smell of what was going on and looked around at all those, you know, uh, wolves at television, all the, all the talent that was sniffing around his girlfriend. And he made her quit. Smart move on his part. Don't know if they're still together, but if they are, he made a really smart move. And uh, got her out of there, and they never did find anyone that clicked as well as she did after that. WrestleManiac wants to know, what is it like to produce a Brock Lesnar match during his time back with the company? Was there a specific mandate on how his matches were to be produced? Well, I worked with Brock a lot when he first got pulled up. Uh, and he was trying to figure out who he was. And when you have unlimited ability like he does and aptitude for this business you could just i could sit back and and just picture stuff for him to do uh to guys uh vicious stuff and and aggressive stuff and utilizing his strength and athletic ability now as he got more in control of his character and got more confident in and his work and all those things. And as he developed the relationship that he had with, with the company and he was pretty much captain of his own ship, he came up with whatever he wanted to do that day. That's he came up with it. He had sole custody of that character. And, uh, but I did get to help him out in his infancy and, and I helped teach in the business. Uh, Eric has a question that I know you're going to struggle with. Do you think Vince McMahon really likes wrestling? He stopped calling it wrestling and changed a lot of its terminology. He's admitted it's all the work and he's seemingly intent on only pleasing himself and not the fans. It's as if he resents the business and is ashamed of it. And, uh, we had another response underneath that says, I agree hundred percent. I don't agree with Vince's apparent views. It's not wrestling. It's sports entertainment. He led that charge in the eighties with Hogan as the man. And then the WWF went worldwide. I loved it growing up and I always going to be a Hulk Hogan fan, but I miss old school wrestling. Do you think Vince wants to, is he doing that? Because well, there's no doubt that he's done it. But the question is, do you think he did it to try to make it appeal to more advertisers? Because he felt like wrestling the term was always going to be pigeonholed as low brow and low class and therefore not generate the bigger advertising dollars. 
or do you think he just low key doesn't like wrestling? I think between you and the gentleman that threw his views out there, have it all covered. There's nothing I can add to that. Yes, yes, and yes. All right. Uh, Marty Saban wants to know, do you have any memories of the rat patrol with Steve Armstrong and Johnny rich? Was their team name just an insider joke? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I think it absolutely was Scott and Johnny rich and, uh, the Tonga kid. That's where he got his start. That was the rat patrol. Those three guys and the little girls loved them. And, uh, you know, they were young, they were exciting. They were a lot of fun. Jerry Stubbs and I were partners at the time and tag champs. We had a lot of great matches with those guys. Young kids. I think Tonga kid was only 18 years old. It was right before he went to, to the WWF and was partners with Haku. Uh, they pulled him up and that would have been in 84. By the way, we have one of the best shirts of all time available over at orange rat patrol. And, uh, there's been a few of those sported over at my pool this summer. So check it out. I think you'll dig it. Rat patrols over at orange Marcus wants to know what's your opinion when it comes to Scott hall. I never really hear you talk about him and I know you were around him quite a bit in WCW. Well, Scott's a guy that had, you know, God gave him a lot of gifts. He was a big rugged guy with a good look aptitude for this business knowledge, uh, that he acquired, you know, he had a good grasp on, on the business and, uh, you know, he paid some dues early and, uh, he, he learned how to navigate the business end to his benefit. And I respect that the guy figured out a way, you know, to get paid and, uh, him and Kevin had a lot of power, Kevin Nash, you know, with the NWO thing, simply because, you know, it worked. And it caught on, and it was an idea never thought of uh, before. Wow, let's turn Hulk Hogan heel and put him with those guys. And, man, it just it just flamed up. But uh, Scott has, uh, you know, been through some, some rough waters like we all have in the business, and he's able to get his head back above water and, uh, you know, get back healthy, and, and I'm glad to see that. Um, he's been around a long time and, uh, I think, you know, had a, had a pretty much a stellar career as far as you go back and check the history books. One of the first things that'll pop up will be the NWO. And he was a huge part of that. He was a guy that could go out and really, you know, really perform. He could really tear it up with anybody you put him out there with. And so, uh, he is definitely a huge success story in this business. Francis Reyes wants to know, what would you get from Vince or someone like John Cena on your birthday? Are they big gift givers in the WWE? Nothing. Blake, the snake wants to know any stories about one of the greatest of all time. Mongo. You gotta have say, a favorite Mongo. Say story. that. You want to say that again? <laughs> Any stories about one of the greatest of all time, Mongo? He's a great human being. I know that. He never had one day of formal training and as far as being a wrestler, but what a football player and a human being he was. 
and is, and I, I saw him lately. He, uh, he's just one of those rare characters that just, you know, he was as good as anybody at what he did. And that was NFL football, not wrestling, you know, and part of a special, t- you know, that 1985 bears will go down as, Again, look at the record books 50 years from now, greatest football team of all time. It could very well be those guys, and he was a huge part of that uh, and just a fun human being, you know, an all-man, period. Uh, consider him a friend. He's one of those guys I don't talk to on the phone, but every time I see him, I hug his neck. He hugs my neck, and we were glad, or at least I was, to, for the time we got to spend together. We'll do a couple more and then we'll wrap this one up. Jim Bellamy wants to know what's the strangest personal appearance story you can share. Have you ever had a weird booking, a weird personal appearance that sticks out? Weird. No, not really. Um, I did have a guy come up to me one time at, uh, I think it was Detroit at a, a signing. It was all the horsemen and maybe one of the first times we got back together, not the first, but one of them where a guy came up to me and actually had a tattoo, uh, on his chest of me. Wow. Which was in one, you know, once I got home and thought about it, it was flattering, but it was a little bit, little bit scary for me, you know? I didn't feel like I had that impact on people that they were going to go out and have a, uh, uh, tattoo of my likeness on their chest. But, uh, it was a little bit unnerving there for a minute. Yeah. I can imagine that's a little weird. I actually, uh, we have a listener of our show who I jokingly put on Twitter. If you get a something to wrestle tattoo, you get free tickets to our live shows forever. To my surprise, we had several people who did it, but one guy actually took my caricature and had a tattoo artist, put it on his knee. Uh, and then uh, I had the Akeem, the African dream headdress on top. And, uh, yeah, that's a little weird to see your face on a dude's knee. Well, hearing that, I mean, I look at that as, you know, the guy is a huge wrestling fan and, you know, you're entitled to do any, it's America, do anything you want, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. And that's his tribute to what you bring to the business and what you've obviously done for him, uh, in his real life every day. So, you know, I, I credit that and, you know, it, it is flattering and Hey, if it makes them happy, ultimately it's the guy that gets up every day, washing, washing that leg that looks down and goes, yep, that's cool. If he's happy with it, I'm happy with it. I'm super happy with it. Shout out to John, friend of the show. Bob wants to know, it looks like you've been verified on Twitter. Boy, this is, this is going to tickle me. Do you actually tweet Arn, or is it an admin person? (laughs) Arn Anderson on Twitter. You fucking kidding me. What's a tweet? Yeah, exactly. Come on, buddy. Listen, here's a little peek behind the curtain. Arn Anderson knows what Twitter is, but he has no idea what our account handle is, where the password would go, what to type, who to send it to. So yeah, a couple of Daves are helping us with that. We got a lot of Daves running around here, but no, come on. Even to record this show, we got to get a hot tag from Mrs. Lundy. He ain't tweeting. Are you kidding? Come on. Hold it. Before you have too much fun with this, 
Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> Dave Silva is an MVP. And if I have a special message that I want to send out there, like on our, you know, for the uh, Twitter, for the podcast or something, I uh, put it together. Yes. Send, send it to Dave. He'll put a little graphic with it and shoot it out. He makes it better than it was. It was kind of like my tribute to Bob Armstrong. That was the process we went through, and that was a heartfelt deal, and that hurt a lot losing him. So I want to make sure it was done right. I trust Dave Silva to do it, and he's 100% all the time. Yeah, and we should mention that uh, whenever there is some sort of furtherment of AEW business or whatever, yes, that's all directly from your mouth or from your fingers, whatever, uh, into Dave Silva's text message, and then Dave takes it from there. So. Your spirit lives on, but the actual app on your phone, let's just don't and say we did. I don't sit around and tweet. No. Uh, Zach wants to know why doesn't someone use beautiful Bobby as an agent or a trainer? He needs to be used for the love of God. He was an amazing storyteller and his matches were so smooth. I, I think everybody agrees with that. Why don't you think Bobby is doing something? Is it because he just has trouble articulating exactly why he did what he did? Does he not want to? What's the rap on Bobby? Why don't you think he's doing more with one of the major promotions? Well, Bobby's not a great communicator. Bobby's a great friend and a wonderful human being. And I'd lay down in the road and die for Bobby Eaton. Not a great communicator. And just because you're a great worker doesn't mean you can communicate what you know how to do that comes from your gut and your heart to someone else. And being a great coach, being a great agent, is the ability to see what someone does well or what they don't do well and to plug in the good stuff, abstain from the bad stuff, and being able to lay it out to someone that's listening so that it's like watching a movie. When a guy's talking about laying a match or a finish out, you got to be able to shut your eyes and follow exactly the story that they're telling verbally. And I'm not sure that that's one of Bobby's long suits. All right. One last one. Then we're going to get this one done. I've had so much fun with this one. I wanted to end on a high note. LD sooner wants to ask, what did you say to the Yeti when he came to the back after butt fucking Hulk Hogan at <laughs> Halloween havoc, 1995? Well, I'm not, a, I'm not sure you're allowed to say this. <laughs> I'm thinking that he may have forgiven me because it is definitely, definitely not PC in today's world. And I apologize. Keep in mind, this was said way back when. 25 years ago. Okay. When I first saw his big seven foot two ass wrapped up as the Yeti, he walked (laughs) up to me backstage and said, Arn, what do you think? I said, my friend, always carry a lot of toilet paper with you. Then I watched the sexual assault that they put on Hogan. And when he came backstage, I walked up, said, I'd like to amend my earlier comments. Kill yourself. Oh, what's great is Tony Schiavone and Ron Reese, the guy behind the Eddie character, tell the story the exact same way that he comes to you beforehand, asks for advice. And you say something like, oh man, just use your size. Just be a giant. You're going to do great. And then 
He does no, that. That's not what I said. <laughs> well, they both put you over with great compliments before, but they both have the exact same word for word story when they came back through the curtain. And by the way, shout out to Ron. Uh, he is uh, a big uh, wine and alcohol and liquor distributor. Uh, through the whole state of Georgia now doing great. Could not be a more personable, nice guy. I got to meet him and hang out with him in Baltimore last year. And we still keep in touch. He, uh, he helped Megan do some wines for some little things she's doing here at the house. So a uh, great guy. And, uh, he thankfully did not take your advice, which was not PC, but certainly funny at the time. Yeah. And he, he always was a great guy. I didn't mean to mean that. I just, <laughs> as you know. I am trying to be a serious, uh, person where the business is concerned. That was a little bit out of bounds for me. Yeah. I mean, considering they killed the giant, they literally pushed him off a building and he came back to life and won the world title. Yeah. With, with seaweed, (laughs) seaweed draped on him for God's sake. That's enough. We can't do any more today. That's going to bring this one to a close today. I had so much fun. This might be one of our more fun ones. We'll be back next week with hail in the cell 2015, but in the meantime, you got to get over to ad free shows. We're going to keep the silliness going. What if we just electrocuted Abdullah the butcher? It happened. Chamber of horrors. 91 coming to you over at adfreeshows.com. He and Dave Silva are at the orange show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we will see you next week right here on Arn. Get your Arn gear at ArnShirts.com and check out BoxaGimmicks.com, the official store of the Arn Show, where you can find gimmicks for the Arn fan in your life. New items added weekly. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. She's beautiful, classy, and she's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. She's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring and takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye flawless, near colorless, high quality, round, brilliant cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista is available. She's ready for love and ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one carat round brilliant cut diamond is only $31.98. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive, plus free shipping and 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only, or go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love Engagement Ring. Steven Singer Jewelers, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I Hate Steven Singer. If you're not convinced already, check this out. Ryan in North Carolina gave SaveWithConrad.com a five-star review. He wrote, saving money is the name of the game and Derek made it happen. Saving over $3,000 a year on my payments with an interest rate in the twos. I guess it pays to be a wrestling fan after all. What about Scotty in Arkansas? He left us a five-star review and he wrote, after listening to the podcast, I did some research on mortgage rates and refinancing. I reached out to Conrad's staff. Long story short, I was able to cut 10 years off of my loan. My payment only went up $80 a month, but I knocked off $142,000. Diane was a pleasure to deal with. Very helpful. Plus I signed my closing papers at my kitchen table. Can't beat that. Five stars to the team at SaveWithConrad.com. 
And maybe you're thinking, man, I don't own a house. Well, maybe you should just ask Anthony in Arizona. He left us a five-star review that read, I just closed seven days early on my new home in Arizona. Your team killed it. They were ready to close two weeks early. Thanks to the team for the help buying our Arizona dream home. And thanks for the pod team for all the content. No, thank you, Anthony. And thank you for listening. But if you really want to save money, if you're really ready to buy a house, it doesn't get any faster, cheaper, or better than right now. Get it done at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And you can be our next five-star review, saving tens of thousands of dollars at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no payments in November or December? That's right. No payments until next year at savewithconrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? You pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.